everyone, and welcome to Another Bite, where we rewatch the most innovative and intriguing pitches from Shark Tank. I'm Jory, and I'm joined by Ariel. Hey, everyone. And John. How you doing, everybody? Today, we're taking this episode to a high-octane world with no seatbelts, no helmets, and no actual product. That's Hollywood, baby. That's right. Today, we're talking about track days. But before we get into this future box office bust, here's a quick ad. Over 20% of all unicorn startups are using HubSpot, and for good reason. HubSpot's all-in-one platform levels up your sales, software, and support, so you can grow beyond your wildest dreams, boosting leads and ramping up sales along the way. They even have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. Plus, with the HubSpot for Startups program, you can save up to 90% off your first year. To see if you're eligible to save on HubSpot and take your growth to new heights, visit HubSpot.com startups. Today in the tank, we have Track Days, and Track Days comes to us from James and Brian. <laughs> now, James and Brian, two guys. They're just two guys. Seem to be just two random guys, actually. With a dream. We will see if it will be fulfilled. They are asking for $5 million. Five bones for 34% of their company. That is a $14.7 million valuation. Not the biggest that we've seen, but potentially the most ambitious. So Track Days is not a product, friends. It is a full-length action film around a motorcycle world championship. (laughs) Now, what they're asking for is investment in this amazing movie that doesn't have a script yet. No actors are signed on, but they have a dream and they have an idea. And, you know, James and Brian are the ones to get it done. So thinking about our pitch, our founder and our would-be product, initial thoughts. I wrote down, I'm just looking at my, you know, I like to I take a couple of brief notes here on each pitch. And this one I just wrote OMG. Uh, it's shocked, honestly, shocked that this was a pitch. I think they put it on because it was a good one to laugh at. Yeah. I think everybody had a good mm. chuckle at it. They have no script. They have no footage. They forced the sharks to actually watch a trailer of the movie, which I was like, oh, they got something. But it was just words on a screen. It was word art animation. Yeah, it was word art, with, but with motorcycle sounds in the background. A talented like, high vroom. schooler <laughs> could have done better. No <laughs> helmets. No seatbelts. And there's no like rules. smashes. <laughs> Fund us. <laughs> okay, uh, so I have a couple of thoughts on this. Number one, like I was so interested in it because I've been so fascinated by the role that media has played recently in the adoption of certain sports. <laughs> so for instance, Drive to Survive was a Netflix documentary and it, like everyone was talking about it because they basically did this documentary series on a sport that is so unpopular in the US, but so popular everywhere else in the world. <laughs> and viewership just skyrocketed. I think over the five years since they've been doing this documentary, viewership in F1 racing in the U.S. has actually like doubled. Wow. And so now Netflix is replicating it, right? They've got full swing for the PGA Tour and a whole bunch of things like that. They've got one for tennis. And so I was like, wow, they're actually kind of onto something, except they're not doing it in a way that would necessarily drive interest in the sport. They're doing it in the way that Days of Thunder tried to approach NASCAR and racing. And like Fast and Furious. Yes. And Fast and Furious. <laughs> Which, mind you, is a $7 billion across all the 11 movies within that franchise is who they're going up against. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was like, oh, I wonder if Days of Thunder, which I remember watching Days of Thunder. I don't know what freaking that is. awesome. I was like, I wonder if Days of Thunder drove interest in NASCAR back in the 90s. So Days of Thunder came out in like 1990. Tom Cruise, the biggest star in the world at the time, was the person who made it happen because he personally loved driving fast cars. 
Days of Thunder didn't really drive a jump in NASCAR viewership. If you look at like the five years after Days of Thunder launched, it like really didn't do much. So I'm not sure the like fictional feature film model actually drives an increase in awareness or like a flywheel between an existing sport. Mm. And I think that's kind of what they were betting on with this because they were saying, hey, people love motorcycle racing. And if we make a movie about that, there'll be a natural built-in audience of people who are going to be desperate to see it. And it's going to drive this great flywheel effect between the sport and the movie. And then we'll make more movies and then, you know, yada, yada. And the only case study I could think of of it was Days of Thunder. And I didn't see that actually happen with NASCAR. But do you think they're really trying to go after, like, actually the sport? Or are they really just trying to be a different Fast and Furious they seem to be like, yeah, it's different because it's motorcycles. But then everything about their trailer and these like fake explosions and no helmets involved, like made me think that it wasn't actually about the sport. It's that they found, you know, there's action movies and then there's some interest in this other thing. And it's a differentiator enough to go against one of the big guys. Yeah, I agree with John's point. I do think for what it's worth that they were trying to bring over motorsports. This story, I would actually categorize it more as like Talladega Nights, if anything, <laughs> than Fast and Furious. Okay. Like if they took an approach like that, Fair like enough. not trying to make motorsports a thing, but actually like, hey, we just want to bring this to the US. We want to have a really fun loving cast. Like mm-hmm. even that would have been better. Make a comedy film. Yeah, exactly. This <laughs> pitch actually falls in the camp of, I would love to do a repitch for them. I would love to give them some advice on their pitch because I think they just got it wrong, right? Uh, If I was them, I think I would have done something more like this. I think I basically, uh, instead of pitching the movie, I would have pitched them in themselves. And I basically would have said, hey, we acknowledge right up front, this is not a normal Shark Tank deal, but this is why we're bringing it to you today because it is different. We're veterans of this industry. You want to bet on us. Like, I was head of physical production, and I left a successful studio to pursue my own dreams here. I was a stuntman, and I can make the stunts in this better than any stunts you've ever seen in a movie ever. We have an incredible point of view on foreign distribution, where this sport is super popular, and here's exactly how we'll get distribution on it. We have a bunch of connections to the motorcycle industry, so we can make this incredibly authentic to viewers. So get in now on it. Wow. Look at that. Yeah, Yeah, look at you getting investment. It's like pitch rescue. And for those reasons, all the sharks are in. Let's talk about like their business model, because again, we mentioned they don't have a script. They don't have like anybody signed on board yet, but really they're trying to put this money away in an account that accrues interest while they're like figuring out how the logistics of this movie are going to work. And I mean, Barbara sums it up beautifully. She's like, so you're trying to use our money as bait because then you can prove that someone's backed this project. And honestly, the founder is like, yes. That is what we're doing. He admits to it. And I think that is just like- I had like, no problem with that, actually. Really? Is no. that a common Gosh. practice, though, for movies? Like, I feel like that maybe that's like a nuance when you're pitching movies. Mm. I don't know. I do think like big name investors attract other big name investors mm. and also no name investors. And so like, I think having the shark signed up for a movie like this would get other investors really interested. I think putting it in an escrow account was basically a way for them to like de-risk the investment for the sharks. They were basically like, if we don't ever produce this movie, we're going to return your money to you with interest. Mm-hmm. Like we're not using it to fund our salaries. We're not using it to fund operations until we like get this properly funded and everything. We're just looking for you to buy in. And mm-hmm. We're basically giving you a premium of ownership in the final production if you are the first money in on it. So I don't know. I actually thought that was clever and I thought that was pretty cool. 
So clearly of the sharks, Rob was, and to a certain extent, Damon too, because he mentioned that he had like produced the crow. Which I didn't know. Which I didn't know either. But he seemed to like be like, this goes against all of the norms. And he Mm -hmm. was like, you don't have a script, you don't have an actor, and you're asking for this money up front. So that made me actually kind of think that this isn't actually how normal movies are pitched. I imagine it depends too a lot on the type of relationships, right? Because one of the founders, you know, worked in the industry, probably knows a lot of folks. It's probably easier for him to secure, you know, that capital with someone that he knows as opposed to like going into like brand new investors or like working in from like the Shark Tank angle. But they did not have enough information. And the one thing that kept bothering me was when one of the founders is just like, we'll talk about distribution and product fit and like all of this like storytelling. I'm like, no, say it now, what you yeah. have in mind. That's the thing. They didn't have enough details. They should have come in and basically be like, bet on us. And the reason to bet on us is our experience, our connections, and our plan. And they didn't have any of those things. Should have spoke to you first, John, clearly. I'm always here if you need me for motorcycle (laughs) movies. Could you imagine me on a motorcycle, by the way? I could. Yeah. I'm actually surprised. Yeah. 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 I see it. I can see Jory on a motorcycle. No, I can't see Jory on a motorcycle. (laughs) What? All right, then. (laughs) No no comment. I can see Ariel on a motorcycle pulling up to that stoner sandwich shop. The lore never stops. I hate this for me. (laughs) But, you know, I think we get the vibe that in general, like, the sharks aren't very much into investing in movies, right? Like, they barely had the time to say full-length action movie, and Mark was immediately like, I'm out. I'm absolutely out. We got a couple issues. High-risk business, not necessarily the biggest audience for it. I think it was Kevin that was like, it's just a bad idea. And it was kind of sad, right? Because they had kind of prepared for some of the sharks to not be so excited. And slowly, as the sharks started to like reject the entrepreneurs, we see them slowly start to peel away. They had come in with this sign that was like executive producers, and it was all the Shark Tank names. But then you find out that they're actually stickaways. Like That's they, a they peel away. That was brilliant. Um, that was a tactic. That was so slowly, good. Slowly, the, the <laughs> list just got smaller and smaller as these issues and obstacles piled up. I think Mark went out first. And they just ripped his name off the yep. sign. Yep. And it was Ripping like, oh, no, after no. producers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Until ultimately there were none left, no names. So unfortunately, Track Days walked away with no offers and no investment. And you know, I have to spill the beans. So it's probably for the best that the Sharks did not invest <sighs> in this because, you know, the day that the episode aired, We had a bit of a clout play. Track Days Hmm. launched a Kickstarter campaign to raise $2 million to hire actors and write the script, so potentially to follow that more traditional path that Rob was alluding to. In less than a month, though, they had only raised $11,180 from 16 backers. Two of them were their mothers. (laughs) (laughs) Grandma Jill. (laughs) So ultimately, Track Days canceled the Kickstarter campaign, and they said that the project was ultimately canceled. Womp womp. Track days are over. So no motorcycle movies for you yet, John. No seatbelts. No helmets. (laughs) No movie. (laughs) No movie. (laughs) Today's episode was written and produced by the mythical Matthew Brown. Additional support comes from Melanie Romero and editing from Robert Hartwig. If you're a fan of the show, meh, even if you're not a fan of the show, tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way to support the show. That does it for me. We'll see you next episode here in the tank for another bite.